So the city of Atlanta has moved to build a giant training facility for cops. It's on roughly 100 acres of land, and it's going to cost like $90 million to make this training center for the police and firemen. So yeah, Aaron, what are your thoughts? I just want to say this is like Eric Adams' wet dream. <laughs> this is what he- Your budget w- is too small. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Politically Asian Podcast. We're just two Asian American buds talking about politics and the Asian American community in hopes of getting more Asians to talk about politics. We are coming at you live from Brooklyn, New York. My name is Jerry Lim. My pronouns are they, them. And you can find me across the internet at Jerryaki. That's G-E-R-R-I-E-Y-A-K-I. And my co-host... Hey, my name is Aaron Yin. My pronouns are he, him. And you can find me on social media at Aaron Flarin. That's A-A-R-O-N-F-L-A-R-I-N. Cool. So for... Today, we're going to open with our new segment, um, Practice What You Preach, which is where on the pod, you know, we talk a lot about politics, um, but it's also important to do things. So each week we share one thing that we did related to politics and or organizing. Uh, I'll go first this week. And um, as if you've been listening to previous episodes, you may know that I have been uh, talking with my building me my neighbors yep that's the word and um we have moved or we're closely moving uh further uh we now have a building potluck coming up it's, it's it's on the calendar for for next month though so i i won't have an update about this anytime soon um but yeah yeah we have a we have a potluck on the calendar now no that's cool dude that's that's pretty break- Big progress. Um, what yeah. is there like a day next month, or is it kind of a vague up in the air next month? Uh, it was actually supposed to be <laughs> yesterday, but um, <laughs> it was. It's really, really hot in New York. Oh yes, and people people didn't want to do it. So um, you know, listen to our bodies. We're we're moving it to September. I it wasn't my decision to move it to September. And mm. anyone who has ever lived in New York knows that September is still kind of hot. It doesn't yeah, really it get is. cold until like October. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, that's okay. One more month to you know cook the food for the potluck. That's cool though. That's yeah, very there you fun. Go. That's really exciting. And then you can go from there to like building a group chat and just having regular meetings. That's really exciting. Yeah, it is a little disorganized because um, it's my floor mate. She is talking with like two other housemates. And then I then she texted me and then I texted the the other people in the building that I know. So it's definitely it's also definitely not like everyone um, it, I think it skews a little bit on the younger side and, um, we need to figure out how to like broach the subject with like everyone else in the building, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's start. It's time to go door knocking. Yeah. <laughs> Actually. That, yeah. yeah. I nice. mean, yeah. Yeah. The, the basic foundation of tenant organizing right here. Jerry Lim. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, cool. That's, that's kind of related to something I've been doing. So, you know, I organize with a group called Youth Against Displacement. And right now I'm essentially helping with finding more people or not even finding more people. We have people who have filled out this form that they want to get more involved. But, um, I kind of just, you know, draft out like the welcome emails and that's what I've been doing this Mm. week. Draft out the welcome emails, um, kind of explaining like what we do so far and like, here's how you can get involved. And we're all, we're also down to meet 
you know, one-on-one in person to see where you're at, like politically and like what resources we can give you to, you know, educate yourself and answer any questions. I I feel like a college, like job fair recruiter right now or something, just Mm. sending out these mass, not even mass emails. It's it's not that many people, but um, a lot of recruiting going on right now. I, when I went to the picket, um, or the protest in front of Kam Hing, um, there were a couple of clipboards I saw going around. Is is that what you're talking about? Oh, um, so that is a slightly different group called Youth Against Sweatshops. So, oh, okay. so there's Youth Against Displacement that mainly focuses on, you know, displacement, you know, people getting pushed out due to high rents, luxury housing, etc. And Youth Against Sweatshops is more like, oh, like wage theft, you know, bosses and nonprofits mm-hmm. stealing from workers. Um, there's a lot of the same people in both because like the group's not that big but i think they're probably collecting emails for more movements related to that i see okay yeah okay cool yeah i think it's important to like keep them separate as issues otherwise people just clump them all in their heads all together yeah it's some like weird asian issues thing which is not helpful at all right and a bit and a bit like reductive too yeah yeah, I mean, it doesn't help that their their names are pretty similar. Yeah, both youth. Well, youth. Yeah, yeah, they're related. Yeah, exactly. Related, related, but not the same. But yeah, just just a lot of emailing and um, drafting emails and stuff like that. That's cool. So like, you can schedule like a one on one Zoom call and be like, okay, so like, how how do we feel about communism? No, not even that. Just like, um, it's like really basic. Just like displacement, like. You know, we organize around these specific landlords and developers in Chinatown and Lower East Side because X, Y, Z. Um, you have any questions? Here's what we do. Um, so it's very focused to like Chinatown, Lower East Side and displacement because um, that's mainly okay. what the group does. Yeah. Okay. Well, if our listeners wanted to get involved or join that mailing list, what can they do? Yeah, I would just um, go to Youth Against Displacement's Instagram. Like the Instagram is literally youth underscore against underscore displacement. Um, there's a bit.ly link there with like forms that you can fill out or you can just DM us directly. A lot of people DM us directly. There's so many DMs. Yeah. Oh, yeah, must the, be nice. The Instagram is really <laughs> active. Yeah, yeah. So we have a few people, myself included, who like field all those messages. Oh, okay. People yeah. sliding into your DMs. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> it's a lot. Cool. Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. So I think we're we're going to go ahead and get started with uh, our topics this week. Um, our first issue or news article on the docket is... Um, Aaron wrote here, America trolling China with yet another visit to Taiwan. Um, Basically, Nancy Pelosi is visiting Taiwan, um, despite China saying, please don't do that. Uh, Discuss. Yes, I would say it's not just China, but I feel like everyone's saying it. Um, So, yeah, for some context for people um, who are just hearing about this, Nancy Pelosi is the highest ranking American official to visit Taiwan since 1997. It's been like wow. 25 years. Um, last time the person who visited was Newt Gingrich, Republican dude, former Speaker of the House, big Trump supporter. Um, yeah. But yeah, she went there and um, I thought it was really important when talking about the Taiwan stuff to just focus on what Taiwanese people are saying. So I really mm-hmm. looked at all my Taiwanese mutuals this past week and the I think a summary of what people in Taiwan are feeling is that this is kind of overblown by people in America a lot. Um, Interesting. Like a lot of people in Taiwan have lived with this for a very long time. Um, there were some analogies to like living in California and, you know, constantly, you know, getting threats of like earthquakes and stuff like that, like that kind of feeling to it. Um, yeah. People just kind of don't take this too seriously. It's just like another 
another America China beef thing going on that doesn't really put Taiwanese you know people's interests in at the forefront. Yeah, I, I hear that, and that's that's I take that same stance of um, whatever the Taiwanese people want or feel. That's that's my vote. Um, <laughs> all I can think about is like it's Nancy Pelosi, and like I think about that picture of her in like the Kentek lot. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, for black, for black <laughs> like she's going to she's going to cheap now. Now yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nancy Pelosi and Pelosi in the cheap house. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, just pulling some more stuff from Twitter, like the night that she went over there, like the evening news, um, this is just based on one Taiwanese person's, like the, the local news was covering like poor hotel services, a three dimensional dog projection in, uh, Tokyo's like train station and a court case of fake marriage. And Nancy Pelosi's visit was like the 10th piece of news on the list. So Incredible. It, you know, just kind of showing like the degree of like People in America are freaking out about this all the time, right? But like people in Taiwan are like, mm-hmm. "This is like relax, relax." Yeah, I um, I I looked at some of the tweets that you sent, and um, uh, if you click on some of them and then like go down the algorithm or whatever, uh, you'll see some like memes of like people saying it's uh, people are getting tired of talking about Ukraine, so this is like the next <laughs> yeah. the next thing to talk about. Um, yeah, I don't know. It feels like a lot of like warmongering like oh no war is gonna happen you know kind of the same way um eric adams says crime 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 yeah. you know um they did a study about like him talking about crime all the time is like actually a bad thing <laughs> and um it, it has effects and i think it's kind of similar to this situation yeah um I just take a shot every time eric adams talks about crime <laughs> truly truly <laughs> yeah. um and then what else what other thoughts did i have oh uh so there was a link in like one of the things that you sent me to tweet that was like someone said, uh, I'm like banned from China, but I love freedom loving Taiwan or something like that. And mm-hmm. it's just so funny with me, like that the the U.S. is like siding with Taiwan because it's freedom loving. And the U.S. is like, don't we have like the most incarcerated people per capita? Like, what do you mean? Yeah, freedom loving? Like, yeah, I, yeah, don't, yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. Um, also, okay, this is something that I looked up since. You know, America also loves Taiwan because uh, they are big customers of, you know, the American Glocks, you know, the uh, the missiles, the oh, guns. Really? Oh, yeah. Um, there's actually an entire Wikipedia page titled List of U.S. Arms Sales to Taiwan. Um, it dates all the way back to Jimmy Carter in 1977. But this year alone, this past year, you know, under uh, Joe Biden, um, the most recent sale was actually June 8th for some ship system parts for $120 million. Then April, they wow. had some, um, like, a surface-to-air missile system. Not exactly sure what that Whoa. is, but for $90 million. Then February, some more of that stuff. And then uh, August of last year, self-propelled howitzer system. And Lockheed Martin yeah, shit. Lockheed. Okay. This is stuff like if I feel like if I played Call of Duty, I would know what it is, but I'm just <laughs> I'm just reading the words right now. But but the point being is like if we add all this stuff up, like the US has had over a billion dollars in sales of weapons of Taiwan in, in under a year. Um so definitely mm. you know, it, it for freedom but also money, right? It's it's it tends to be a big yeah. thing. Look at you coming with the war crime receipts. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Mm, that's that's kind of... What's interesting is like um, Taiwan's like a really small island. So it's like really 
almost funny to me to imagine like this like tiny island with like tons of guns, tons of missiles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah honestly, I it, these very loose analogies, I kind of just equate it to like you know maybe when people really freak out about crime in New York City, even though yeah. we live in we live in New York City and we're like, yo, it's like sure, I guess it's bad, but like it's not. We're not Isn't freaking like out as much day. as you are. Yeah. Yeah, yo, my, yeah. My parents are like freaking out every time there's like some kind of incident in like Staten Island and I'm in like Brooklyn. <laughs> like, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I think it's exactly that. Um, I, I will say that I remember when I visited the Philippines uh, back in like 2019. So it's Taiwan, like Taiwan. And then like the Philippines is like directly below it. Like they're really mm. close. Um, and I do think like in that aspect, there's a little bit of concern. Like the Philippines is probably... Um, they're also very wary about Chinese presence and that kind of thing. Mm. So I imagine they're a little bit nervous and they're also watching, but I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's actually, if it actually makes the news though, because, uh, you know, us owned the Philippines for a while. Yeah. So you never know, but, uh, yeah. Uh, Have you talked to anyone, um, any family members there recently? My parents are there. So like, I guess oh. I could ask, yeah. but, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think it's just like a vague, like, um, look at that thing over there kind of feeling. Uh, and then like, all right, I'm going to go back to my own business. <laughs> and, then, and then your mom, um, like when we were talking about Japan, is just going to talk about the next BTS song. Oh, or something. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Cool. Okay. All right. Um, so that's the first piece of news on the docket. The next thing um, we wanted to talk about was this new survey um, that was released by APIA vote, AAPI data, and AAAJ. Lots of A's today. Um, hey, you yeah. know Asians love the A. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, so it will kill me. <laughs> uh, it was a new poll that highlights um, how Asian Americans continue to be ignored by political parties, um, despite you know having a good turnout in the twenty twenty two election. Um, so maybe some interesting stuff in general is that this was just a poll of like 1600 people. Um, they did some rough outlines of like 44% of this group registered as Democrats, 19% Republican and 29% independent. Um, I'll kind of leave it there. Um, Jerry, immediate thoughts. I'm surprised about the amount of independence, like, oh, yeah. you know, like it's 44% Democrats. Okay, whatever. 20% Republicans and almost 30% independent. Like half of me wonders if that's Yang gang. In Yo, I was going to say the same thing. These are all, these are all forward party members right here. Right. <laughs> yeah. mm. So basically Republicans got yeah, it. <laughs> actually though. Yeah. Um, I guess for people who don't know, the forward party has a lot of Republican co-founders in this group. That's almost this topic for a separate day. But yeah, I was thinking Yeesh. the exact same thing. I'm like, this, this smells like Yang gang. Yeah. yeah. Um and I know that uh in general when it comes to um Asian American voters um it the uh issue is like a language barrier, right? I think we've talked about this before um that I think most politicians aren't willing to put out the extra effort to translate that mm. they already put in Spanish and like that's enough. Yeah. Um <laughs> Uh, I will say, I think New York politicians do a great job of this, um, obviously, especially the Asian ones. Um, but I think Chris Marte, like uh, he, for District 1, 
he he does a lot of stuff in Chinese, um, which I think is cool. But I think also because his district has Chinatown in it, <laughs> yeah, so that would make sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the last thing that comes to mind is uh, Cookie's presentation um, for like telling her dad to not vote for Trump. That was entirely in Vietnamese, like oh, everything. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's what I think about. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, that's a good point about language. Um, I also wasn't sure from this um, whether it was like first generation, like are we completely immigrants who don't, the, the, the language part was a little confusing, but I, I can definitely mm. see that being a factor actually. Yeah, I'm surprised, you know, on that Republican note, I'm surprised that only 19% of Asian Americans right. identified. <laughs> I was like, I, I thought it would at least be like closer to like 50-50 just just based on when I when I think about like Vietnam, you know, I think about Vietnamese people at the January sixth um, insurrection. Yeah. I think about just you know my own parents being conservative and just all these right same yeah. There's all these points here that like no way it's only nineteen. I mean that respect is kind of cool, but um, yeah. Uh, oh, another cool part I guess in light of you know recent school shootings, I was pretty interested in this that seventy seven percent of Asian Americans surveyed wanted stricter gun laws. I was like, okay, I've I haven't really heard a lot about Asian Americans and gun control specifically. Yeah. I was like the first time I'm like, I'm like, it's cool that we got an age solid Asian American, you know, opinion on this. That's, I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah. I, I would, I thought that was pretty interesting too. Cause I will say when I hear about Asian Americans with guns, they're actually pretty pro gun. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I, I also think of like, uh, I am, you know, I still need to do more research on this, but like the LA riots and rooftop Koreans, I believe mm -hmm, is the term, mm -hmm. um, and how they like arm themselves and all that. Like that's, that's typically what I think of when I think of like Asians who actually talk about guns. Yeah, no, um, I, I think especially with a lot of, you know, you know, hate crimes going on, attacks on Asian people, like in my own circles, I'm like, yeah, Asian people seem to want more guns. So pretty right, surprising. Right, it's time to buy a gun. <laughs> yeah, it's time to buy a gun, yeah. The, the new rush hour just has jackie chan with i guess jackie chan had a gun in the original one but just more more, more shooting less uh less less you know shang chi but with machine guns <laughs> shang chi gun <laughs> uh, oh, man. yeah but cool stuff um i just thought it was in general it was nice to see just uh, a new poll that really broke down asian americans politically around so many issues mm -hmm. And you can definitely just Google the the entire report, just like AAPI data 2002 report, and you'll find it. Yeah, um, especially important to think about with uh, midterms coming up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> um, wait, we don't need to get into <laughs> midterm yeah. discussion. Cool. So the next thing on our docket is uh, what they're calling a cop city in Atlanta. So um, the city of Atlanta has moved to build a giant training facility for cops. It's on roughly 100 acres of land, and it's going to cost like $90 million to make this training center for the police and firemen. So yeah, Aaron, what are your thoughts? Um, I just want to say this is like Eric Adams' wet dream. <laughs> this is what he your budget is too small. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, I, this is what I want New York City to be. You know, uh, the the big cop yeah. city. So, um, no, it was really expensive, right? When I was reading the links you said it was like ninety million dollars. That that seems like a yeah. lot for training. Um, you know, for <laughs> again investing in a system that will probably not improve the city of Atlanta at all. Yeah. Yeah, those those are my immediate thoughts on this. I will say that 
Yes, it probably is Eric Adams' wet dream, but <laughs> the budget is too small. I saw that um, while researching for this, I saw that like Atlanta's police budget was like only four, only it was only four hundred million dollars, um, and oh. like you know the NYPD is like in the billions, so like true, that's like true. a good, that's like a that's like you know. Uh, a luncheon for them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they, they, they spend that much on like two police cars, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. Like that's that's just a tank, guys. Yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and obviously there's, you know, the concern of like a giant cop facility and then um, possible environmental impacts on the surrounding um, lands. Apparently there's a lot of like black and brown neighborhoods nearby. So that smells like disaster. Um, you know what sucks is like the land was going to be like turned into a park like originally yes, they were like exactly, we're gonna turn this yeah. into a park and then someone was like no let's not do that yeah the, the i think that's like a, a bigger environmental thing too right um yeah it's a yeah. it's a huge park like we're looking at these photos of the area lots of trees it looks like a, a it's, forest it's yeah it's it is a woods. forest that's what it's in the woods to be clear um there's even like a piece out like by the guardian i think they they like interviewed a bunch of like activists who call themselves like the treehouse activists because mm. apparently they're, they're like based out in that forest Ooh. there's like a bunch of like abandoned like buses and buildings and like and they just organize out there i guess wow. um, this is like in avatar the freedom fighters do you remember that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, they have their little like a treehouse village yeah, thing going yeah, on yeah. jet smelly um, smeller yeah exactly yeah yeah, wow. yeah 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 um what else uh oh and then the other thing to note is that like it's the city council who moved to do it mm. and it's supported by the mayor and the governor, but you know who doesn't support it is like roughly 70 to 98% of like people in Atlanta were like, no, let's, this is a waste of money. Don't do this. And they're moving forward with it. Mm. So I think like, that's like really demoralizing almost because it's like those, you know, those are elected officials and especially like city council. That's, I don't know. Yeah. Very sad. That's, yeah. Representation does not. Um, <laughs> this is the case against representation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is the case against it. Also, 75, you said 75 to 98. 70 to 98. Yeah. Dude, like that 2% might literally just be the city council members. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, no, that's pretty disheartening to hear. Um, I guess we'll follow up on this one later to see what kind of things can be done. Yo, I guess, yeah. I guess moving, okay, moving to a forest, in my opinion, seems to make more sense for firefighters, at least, though, I guess they're tearing it down, right? Yeah, they're going to clear the land, Aaron. They're not, yeah. There's not going to be trees. What are you talking Yo, about? Like, They're, they're going to set the entire thing on fire, and that's where the firefighters come in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, practice this. <laughs> <laughs> practice this, boom, 50 acres. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, thanks for listening to the episode so far. Um, if you like it, uh, maybe pause right here and give us five stars on either Apple or Spotify. It really helps the pot out um, and it's free. Um, but if you have some money to toss our way, consider subscribing to our Patreon. Uh, we're currently fundraising to get uh, transcripts for our podcast episodes to make them more accessible, hire a video editor, and hopefully get Canva Premium to deliver better memes. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, now back to the episode. I'm also kind of curious, besides the pollution, is like maybe like the displacement factor. You know, always just thinking like, if this thing is built, 
how will it affect rent prices or living situations? Will it push a lot of other people out? Because um, in one of the articles you sent me, it said like more than 11,000 people live right next to like within one mile of this giant cop city. So obviously there's, you know, noise pollution. Sure. Right. But then I guess what else will like potentially impact them and make them move out? Yeah. I wonder for like people of color, it makes the rent go down. Mm. Like it's less desirable. And then for white people, they're like, oh, security. And oh. it makes the rent go up. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll see. It's like it's like canceling each other out. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if they do, like, I feel like it's going to get built because, like, if it has all the support, like, that it does from the right people, right? Like, the the people who sign off on the budgets, the people, you know, all that. Yeah. If they do go ahead and build, I, I hope it's, like, haunted, you know? Because, like, the land that it's on is also, like, it has its own history. Like, it used mm. to be, first off, it used to be a plantation. And oh. then second, they it, after a plantation, it was a prison farm. So, like, incarcerated people who grew crops and, like, raised livestock. And, like, I, I, I did some deep digging. Like, apparently Kwame Ture actually was held there pretty briefly. Oh, okay. Yeah, Significant, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then um, after that, it was, like, closed. I think the ACLU, like, sued the prison farm or something like that, and mm. they, they closed it. Um, but there were, like, a lot of, like, human rights violations because, you know, um, yeah, that shit's going to be haunted. Like, well, you know what? Fine. Fucking fine. Haunt the cops. <laughs> this this is, like, the exact real-life story that will be the inspo for a movie later on. This is oh, 100%. 100%. Jordan Peele. Yeah. Jordan Peele. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so moving on. Um, our next uh, item of discussion, I don't even want to call it news, is that the New York Times did an article, a slash study. I'm just going to read the headline. Vast new study shows a key to reducing poverty. More friendships between rich and poor. Aaron, your media thoughts. <laughs> I mean, we're going to we're going to friendship our way out of capitalism. Okay, that's <laughs> so we we don't need systemic change. We just need better relationships. Um, I th that was my immediate thought when reading the headline. I just thought it was um really funny and kind of simplistic. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's also just very New York times to suggest all these alternatives for getting out of poverty while ignoring like huge systemic issues. Yeah. Yeah. Like the New York yeah, times. Will, yeah. It'll never be anti-capitalist, right? It'll never be anti anything. Let's be clear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Strong track record of, you know, oh no. Well, you know, there, there's some sinophobia with the New York times, anti-Chinese, I guess, but very, okay, um, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Pro cop, pro developer. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. What are your, what are your immediate thoughts on this? I will say for for me personally, I think it was a good reminder because I know we put out an episode that's like, don't go to Ivy Leagues because they're racist. But I think this is a good reminder of like why people go to Ivy Leagues. Right. Because you have you want to you want to befriend the legacy kids. Right. You want to add them on LinkedIn. <laughs> um, <laughs> and actually reading the article is like somewhat interesting because um, they do include studies about how neighborhoods are becoming increasingly less income diverse, less class diverse. And uh, before that was like a really good way for like lower class or poor people to like meet wealthier people that they normally wouldn't interact with at their work. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, 
Yeah, nothing that we didn't know already. We, you know, there's like that common saying that zip codes are a very good predictor of like your, you know, your life. Um, yeah. And I think this is just kind of reinforcing that. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, on that note of the zip codes and areas, yeah, there's one section of this report on where people make friends by income. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. was interesting because like it said, the richest Americans make most of their friends in college. Um, yeah, Ivy Leagues. Yeah, Ivy, literally Ivy Leagues. Yeah. While, you know, the poorest Americans, lowest income, they typically make friends and relationships in their own neighborhood, which I thought was cooler. I'm like community, right? Literally yeah. community organizing and bonds. Um, and then I guess for middle class, um, they put it as like mainly mainly work, uh, work mm-hmm. and some, yeah, mainly at their work, at their jobs. But yeah, I thought it was funny that like it, it's not just it's like you'd not only have to be in the same environment, but you actually do have to be friends. Cause this, this article is talking about how in the past, just like putting rich students and poor students in the same school, um, doesn't lead to a better life for everyone if they don't interact. So it just feels like this huge, <laughs> it just feels like this huge experiment where like you, you put a rich person in a poor person room and you're like, okay, go be friends, go be friends. <laughs> right. Right. I, I also thought it was good because um, the article discusses like the limitations of uh, I didn't really know what school busing was. I imagine it's like the intermingling of kids on a school bus, possibly. But then my question is, like, are the rich kids not just driving their Lamborghinis to school? I don't know. Um, so, yeah, school busing, multifamily zoning and our favorite subject, affirmative action, showing like the limitations of that. Mm. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. yeah. Again, like that's why everyone wants to go to an Ivy. Yeah, I think by yeah, it was kind of weird that the New York Times phrased it this way. When I when they said school busing, I thought they just meant like busing in general. You know, like school yeah. school buses going to like low income neighborhoods and taking students to go to like a rich school. That's what I thought. But the the phrasing was pretty weird in this article. Um, but that's yeah. that's what it sounded like. Yeah, but affirmative action too, right? It's like yeah, that's. It's it's funny because like all these Ivy Leagues, they they also just don't have many low income students to begin with. Like the oh, pretty, for sure. So it's like not only do you have to work really hard on that, but then you have to do the even harder part of getting people to interact. Because I'm thinking like, okay, like you know, like I went to an Ivy League. Uh, I guess we both went to Ivy Leagues, and it's, we, yeah, we both. Did. And it's like, yo, some of these rich people that like I was not friends with, but knew. It's like your dad is like a real estate tycoon um who's probably done some bad shit or like your your mom or dad, like you're <laughs> like they're literally your mom your parents are villains right you are you are your wealth is built yeah, yeah, yeah. your wealth is built there's from that. evil right i'm like i don't want to be your friend <laughs> like so that, there's a lot of that yeah that's a good point i um i remember meeting this admittedly she was an international student so maybe it's a little different but i do remember meeting this international student in my um grad program and uh I remember one time it was like five of us and we all went out to brunch and it was pretty expensive. And she's like, I got it. And I was like, okay, what do we Venmo you? And she's like, what's Venmo? And I was like, what? (laughs) Um, And then later I would find out that like her dad like owns like a hospital system, not a hospital, a hospital system in China. Um, And she was at our public health program to like study to eventually take over that system one day. So there's that. Wow. Uh, so her her dad could probably buy Venmo. Is, is yeah, a, probably. <laughs> it's just something you can acquire. Oh, uh, yeah. Venmo. That's funny. Yeah. yeah, and I will say, I think I kind of think that's why people also like like New York, like the appeal of New York. Um, one because it's a walkable, a fairly walkable city, and I think a lot. I think I've told you this story, but like 
how there's a comedian and if you Google her, I'm not going to say names, but if you Google their their name, their entire family comes up on Google and their dad is like uh, a U.S. senator or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, yeah. oh, I, I, I okay. <laughs> yeah, that's why you never joke about your parents. I understand. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your dad Got has it. money. Your dad has a lot of money. You have a lot of right. money. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think for me, it's mainly just trying to force these kinds of friendships is is hard, mainly because I think a lot of this wealth is truly built from evil. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I last my last reference for this is like literally Bling Empire. Um, Ew. Have you watched it at all? No, dude. Oh, have I, you? I watched, yeah, yeah. I've watched a few episodes, and it's like okay, one fine. of the one of the most likable characters, quote likable. Her name's like Anna Shay. Her dad or mom made money by essentially also selling weapons to the military. Ooh. So like her her entire fortune is built on you know weapons that kill people, and and you're trying to become <sighs> friends with all these people and like schmooze and stuff like that. And it's like yeah, she can help you make money, but then you're just also you know uh, what like turning your heads ran, uh, red from like being complicit in like this yeah. essentially blood money. Yeah, I guess like a question I. I have or just need to say out loud does all <laughs> does all wealth stem from like evil if that makes sense yeah I I honestly think so but I would have to do more research but when I think about all the billionaires right I think yeah well I think Jeff Bezos obviously when it comes to like manual labor you have so many people working for you doing physical labor Mm-hmm. Um, and then for like so- more software companies, I think like maybe like Microsoft, Bill Gates. Um, I think the evil is more in the sense of like what people do with that money. You know, Bill Gates famously known for like um, patents for vaccines. Yeah, uh, and all that's what other he's evil famously shit. known for. Yeah. Aaron. <laughs> yeah, 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 besides Microsoft, <laughs> but yeah, I think I, I think a lot of I, I personally believe so. Yeah, what about you? Yeah, I think I'm having a hard time thinking of some. Thinking of, and I'm talking like really wealthy, like, yeah, okay, be nice to be a millionaire. But I think in this context, we're also specifically talking about like billionaires. And I'm having a hard time drawing an example of like, that's a quote unquote good billionaire. Name name one good billionaire. Yeah. Yeah, So, okay. Yeah. I just needed to say it out loud. Um, But (laughs) if any of our listeners can think of like a good example, I guess, uh, let us know. Please DM us. Yeah. The billionaire defense squad coming in. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. Uh, (sighs) All right. Well, speaking of more nonsense in the u.s uh <laughs> let's let's talk monkeypox um apparently the white house is finally making a action plan which feels like the bare minimum <laughs> um <laughs> in response to monkeypox i there's this article that's been going around about um you know the u.s let 20 million doses of monkeypox vaccine expire in a warehouse um so there's that uh, Aaron, your thoughts? Yo, I when you sent me that, I was like, "How many? Twenty, <laughs> twenty, right. twenty million? Yo, you just you just had this gigantic fridge, and you're just like, oh shit, it's like my eggs expired or something. <laughs> but for right. twenty million vaccines, oh, the milk's gone bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh shit, what is it? August fourth? Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is. So so embarrassing i'm also just confused like i guess no one ever thought they would need to use them so did they just kept them in stock 
for too long and didn't think about using them at all. Um, I mean, the the only good news is, um, you know, I was looking at monkeypox data. At least in New York City, there are 1,700 cases total. So 1,738 people have it as of today, August 5th, which is a really small number. So hopefully we will start getting way more vaccines before this curve starts going up like COVID. Yes. Yeah. I was going to make fun of you and say, Aaron, on March 12, 2020, we only had 10 cases of COVID. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, at least we have a vaccine. Yes. Um, are some of them, and let me, read, let me read just a little bit of this article. The raw, unfinished vaccine remains stored in large plastic bags outside Copenhagen. That's it. That's the only part I want to read. It's just like the, the concept of like monkeypox vaccines in like quart-sized Ziploc bags. Just like hanging out Bro, in the fridge. This is, like, this is like the end of Finding Nemo when the fish all escaped in those large plastic bags. Oh, yeah. Bags. They're in the, those bags. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, this is extremely poor country behavior. Raw? What does it mean? Raw, unfinished I vaccine. I don't know. I don't know how. Like, do you need to cook it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's raw. It's fucking raw. Oh, it's saying it's saying it needs to be filled into vials. That's it. That's that's all it says. Um, oh, okay. Cool. Fuck it. I'll, I'll volunteer myself to put this thing in vials if that's what's needed. You know what's insane is like they if they literally just shit if they had gotten their shit together and mailed all twenty million doses to new york new york alone right like we would have contained that shit like that's 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 a vaccine for everyone and then some yeah it is you know it is tiring to always be the epicenter of things i will say that like (laughs) (laughs) why do you think every marvel movie takes place here (laughs) (laughs) ah just 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 once okay we need florida to be the epicenter of something um i mean give it a give it a couple more years (laughs) and i genuinely think something's gonna happen to florida yeah um but yeah just uh i was telling you earlier how you know on the subways at least like whenever i see someone scratch their arms that's like the new um like coughing for covid thing it's just like, <laughs> like the, the new warning sign i i legitimately i'm like if i see someone scratching their arms i'm like okay let me just maintain yeah. distance a little bit this thing is more contagious than covid it seems like and has a much longer incubation period of like three to four weeks sometimes yeah it's like yeah what? super scary that's a, literally yeah. a month. Yeah, we can have it right now and not know until September. Please don't jinx us like this. <laughs> Please, you just got over COVID. I do not need this. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, my my prediction is, and this is slightly inspired by a, a tweet thread that I saw where uh, some doctor um, like took a picture of someone on a bus in, in Europe. Don't know where. I think it was Spain. And this person very, very visibly had monkeypox on their legs. And apparently this person was a doctor. So they went up to this, the small, uh, the monkeypox person and was like, you have monkeypox. You need to get off this bus. <laughs> and the, the guy was like, how can I have monkeypox when I'm not gay? And like, he, <laughs> he had like pox all over his arms, all over his leg. And um, so there's that, um, you know, we'll be combating stupidity uh but my other prediction is that i wonder if we'll see something similar to like you know um the effects that COVID had on the asian community i wonder if there's going to be something like that for like uh queer men um and non-binary people yeah so yes cool yeah i remember seeing that photo it looked really really bad like the person had 
tons of bumps on their legs. They're like, my they're only big. question. They're big bumps. Yeah, they don't look like pimples. They're big. Yeah. <laughs> my only question is like, okay, if you don't think it's monkeypox, what do you think you have? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what the fuck? I don't. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Because those. Do you, do you think you were just born with that? You're going through puberty, <laughs> like it's just it's just like a food allergy. I'm like, you no. Know, <laughs> what what do you think is happening? Um, mm. yeah, and I think as as for you know like potential like hate crimes or anything of that nature, I guess like we'll wait and see, right? So far, like I I've been seeing a lot more TikToks and like Twitter posts, you know, tweets and Instagram posts, like really combating this stereotype. Mm. Um, so I think. I think it's okay, and I think also as New York City opens up, you know, the vaccine to like the general population, I yeah. it, it might be okay. But we'll definitely just probably follow up in like a month or two. My hotter take is that like we won't see as many like hate crimes because the white gays, white gay men are just they'll they'll be loud and they'll defend. Um, oh you know? yes, yeah. yes, the race aspect, yeah, hundred percent, yeah, 100%. Or, or rich white gays, like all that stuff. Like mm-hmm. I just. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. anyway, so <laughs> moving on to our last topic of the day is a uh, TikTok by at token black guide um, who was given the prompt. Uh, what's something you say to make white people glitch? And this person said that the way we've been taught communism is wrong. Uh, they go on. I we They go on to say that the red scare um, is tied to the progress of the civil rights movement that was happening. Um, and that's like really interesting about like connections that the American communists had with like anti-lynching advocates. Um, it, you know, uh, this was like around when labor rights were really, really starting to take like a, a foothold in America. Um, it became really easy to stop those by just starting this witch hunt for communists. Um yeah thoughts comments opinions yeah no so i mean um the first thing i looked up was actually the communist party of america which i had heard vaguely about because like i know like angela davis was a big part of that um and i just had no idea that it existed it still exists now um Mm -hmm. and it was founded in 1920 and yeah it was really started um, around like the labor movement in the 1920s or the 40s, but also, you know, opposed racism and racial segregation. So it really did bring a lot of people together. But I think like the Cold War um, really led to its decline in some form. Yeah. Um, you know, that combined with all pop culture, anti-communism really <laughs> shut down the movement. But yeah, I do agree that like, I guess I always thought like it came from like Russia or China and that's but it's like no like it was here in America in like the 1920s and it was mm-hmm. a really strong glue that was shut down. Yeah. I I think that's like super interesting that uh communists were like reaching out to civil rights leaders. Um they I I think like the video talked a little bit about how um the FBI mm, didn't want civil rights leaders taking like a more leftist communist approach because like um even back then, like people of color, like black, Latina, indigenous, Asian people were like actually coming together because they were like, hey, we're kind of broke um, <laughs> and stuff like that. Like broke isn't like, you know, not not like broken, but like we have no money. Poor, um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, they the U.S. government kind of noticed that. And that's why, like, you know, there's some thoughts. I think there's like a theorist who like wrote an entire book about. Uh, that concept i can't remember his name but it came up in my um 
uh, research. And then another thing was that the biggest union at the time, the AFL-CIO, I think is what they're called. Um, yeah, they they had uh, some communist leading communist leaning leaders and people in like uh, uh, higher positions. Um, and that's when they were doing like some of their work. And then the Cold War started and um, a lot of those people were like removed. They were kicked out. Um, and by the, uh, you know, mid Cold War, like that union began to support U.S. policies against foreign nations. Um, mm. So that's like, I don't know. I think that's like really interesting how they like the, they the government weaponized Cold War witch hunting against a union. Yeah. Yeah. I just looked up AFL-CIO. It stands for American Federation of Labor and Congress of Industrial Organizations. Yeah. Pretty big word, but it has a lot of subunions. Probably a big one is the American Federation of Teachers, um, another American Federation of like state, county, and municipal employees, so like government workers, United Food and Commercial Workers. So it seems like a really, really, really big um, federation of unions. Um, yeah. I mean, no, I think it makes sense. I mean, I definitely want to look more into, you know, the Communist Party of America, this union, as well as Angela Davis, because she was actually VP of the party for a while. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, in, in pop culture, I instantly think, think like, you know, Judas and um, the, the Black Messiah. Um, did you watch that movie? I did not. I need to. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, no, it's, you know, about the, the Black Panthers and, mm -hmm. and F, the FBI and COINTELPRO, right? Very big FBI thing that essentially shut down the entire party. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, all that's what I immediately think of. Um, but yeah, pretty interesting, um, reframing of all this and, uh, definitely a lot of research to do after the episode. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the last thing I'll say about this is that it will definitely make me look at, um, when, you know, it's, I feel in a lot of sitcoms or at least cheesier, older sitcoms, um, some shows, it was really easy to poke fun at like communism, right? Like it yeah. was easy to say, like, oh, China, you have no choices in China. Um, then tell me why I only have one internet provider. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. This will definitely like change the way I like look at like anti-communist, I guess, propaganda um, to know that it's like rooted in like labor suppression and the suppression of like civil rights and all that. Yeah, there was this one Disney clip that circled on Twitter a while back. I think from like iCarly, maybe. Disney, um, iCarly and Disney Aaron. <laughs> oh no, no, sorry, sorry. iCarly Nickelodeon. It was it was a Disney show. It was a Disney yeah. show. Um, but I forgot what it was. But yeah, it was like the teacher just saying communism is when you each have one cow and you have to. Sh it was like it was like very reductive, and I'm like, okay, yeah. this is you know very subtle. Um, essentially anti-communist propaganda. But yeah, I think it starts I, I young. it starts young. Yeah, and I do want to. You want to read more about this now? Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, assigning homework to ourselves is a great way to end the episode. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, you can follow the podcast at Politically Asian Podcast on Instagram, at Politic Asian Pod on Twitter, or send us fan mail at Politically Asian Podcast at gmail.com. If you really want to help us out, please leave an Apple or Spotify review. Uh, thanks for listening and bye. bye.